We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, big screen sports listeners? I am pumped to be able to share an exclusive trailer with you after the show. Blue Wire Studios has produced a new podcast, Golden Goal, Stories of Soccer Legends. It's narrated by fellow Blue Wire host Brandon Kelly. Each Monday, two new episodes will take a look into some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. Brandon is actually going to be on next week's episode of Big Screen Sports talking about his top five favorite soccer movies, so stay tuned for that. Golden Goal gets into Messi, Megan Rapino, you know, many more soccer stars. Each episode is going to focus in on the historical plays and personalities that make the sport great. So stay tuned after this episode. Listen to Golden Goal Stories of Soccer Legends wherever you get your podcasts. And stay tuned for next week's episode with host Brandon Kelly. Blue Wire. Welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire and BetOnline.ag. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. Folks, you've had a month to check out Uncut Gems on Netflix. It dropped at the end of May, I think May 30th, if I remember correctly. And that's what we're covering on today's episode. Needless to say, gonna have spoilers, gonna ruin the ending. So if you haven't yet, go stream Uncut Gems right now. It's on Netflix. It's one of the best things you can watch on Netflix. Uh, if you haven't yet, go stream Good Time, which is the Safdie's film before Uncut Gems. I'll reference it a lot in this uh, in this one, but not going to give away the ending on that one. But yeah, go see go see if you liked Uncut Gems. Go watch Good Time. Had fellow Blue Wire host Sam Esfandiari on for today's episode. Sam is the host of the Light Years Pod, talking Warriors basketball, also on the Blue Wire Network. Uh, had Sam on a couple months ago talking about if the Monstars could have beaten the 2017 Warriors. I was happy to have him back on this one. We both loved this movie. It was in my top five of last year for sure. I'm pretty sure for Sam it was up there as well. I hope everyone enjoys the episode. If you do enjoy it, remember to do all the things that help this podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you get new episodes every Monday. Go back and listen to the other 80 evergreen episodes we've got talking sports movies. Go join the Big Screen Sports Facebook group. Talk sports movies in there. I also take a listener question for each episode. And then also, rate and review. Drop a good review, and I'll read it on the intro of the podcast. The final and most important thing you can do to help grow this podcast is share it with a friend who also likes sports movies. We've got some great episodes coming up. Going to talk the program. Going to talk My Cousin Vinny. But let's talk about one of the best movies of the past couple years, Uncut Gems. All right, today I am joined by a fellow member of the Blue Wire Sports Podcast Network. He's a co-host of the Light Years Podcast, Sam Esfandiari. Sam, thanks for returning to Big Screen Sports. What's up, man? I'm excited to be on here. This uh, this might be my favorite sports movie of... Hey, does it count as a sports movie of the last five I mean, years? I'm counting it as a sports movie. It's, I mean, it, it just sneaks into the last decade. I think it came out last December or something around that time. So I, I would put it in my top five for uh, for the decade. Before we get into today's movie, uh, tell the folks where they can find you and what you guys are up to at Light Years. So Light Years is a Warriors-centric podcast. So if you like the Golden State Warriors or if you hate them and want to get really mad, um, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, anywhere there's a podcast player. 
Yeah, and you guys are a fellow member of the Blue Wire Sports Podcast Network. You were on a few months ago. Uh, we broke down if the uh, I think the 2017 Warriors how they would fare against the Monstars. Um, today we are doing a, a normal big screen sports episode, and we are talking about uncut gems. I made a crazy risk of gamble. It's about to pay off. So I want the Celtics to cover. I want the Celtics halftime. I want Garnett points and rebounds. What do you know? I don't know. I just know. What's the dumbest bet I ever heard of? I disagree. The 2019 crime thriller. Howard Ratner, played by Adam Sandler, is a charismatic New York City jeweler, always on the lookout for the next big, next big score. When he makes a series of high-stakes bets that could lead to a, the windfall of a lifetime, Howard must perform a precarious high-wire act balancing business, family, and encroaching adversaries on all sides in his relentless pursuit of the ultimate win. It starred Adam Sandler, Lakeith Stanfield, Julia Fox, Eric Bogosian, and Kevin Garnett. It was directed by Josh and Benny Safdie, written by the Safdie brothers and Ronald Bronstein. Got a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, grossed $50 million, and it was it was notably snubbed at the Oscars. Didn't even get the uh, the Adam Sandler Best Actor nomination. Um, Sam, you, you said that this was one of your favorite sports movies of the, you know the past five years. Is it a Hall of Fame All Star starter or bench warmer sports film for you? Ooh, um, right now I feel like it's Hall of Fame. Uh, I think the real test of that is like in five years. Do I still feel it's Hall of Fame? Like when when I think of my favorite sports movies, you think of. I guess I think of like Remember the Titans. Now we're like 20 years removed from that and it still holds up. Completely different style of movie. By the way. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're on a different like, they're playing on a different field. But uh but but just going to it, I mean it's it's one of my favorite movies which had sports themes in it. Yeah, I mean it's definitely not your traditional sports movie. I was blown away by it. Um it is is now streaming on Netflix, which is great. I can't wait to watch it again. Um, a week before I watched this one, I watched Good Time, which was the Safties movie before this. It starred uh, Robert Pattinson and just basically bought me into that guy. As a, like, I believe he can pull off Batman now just because Good Time is incredible. Uh, but Uncut Gems, I this is an anxiety-driven ride. There's not a dull moment. Good Time has a few moments where you can kind of catch your breath. Uncut Gems is just go, go, go. I loved it. It's a Hall of Fame movie. I don't, you know... And like you said, down the road, I don't know if we'll consider it a sports movie, but I, I do feel like this one has staying power in terms of I will still really enjoy this movie down the road. It's not Adam Sandler's first sports movie. It's definitely his most interesting sports movie. Um, if you look down Adam Sandler's sports movie career, there is, you know, the, the 90s classics. Distinctly Waterboy. different style. Yeah. Waterboy, Happy Gilmore, Longest Yard. And then there's this. Uh, if you had to rank the the four Sandler sports movies and I guess I it's hard to compare them to each other just because they're all I mean, Happy Gilmore and Waterboy kind of have their I was going to say those two are my standouts of the yeah. four previous ones like um I'll still stop the TV if I see one of those on TNT and just watch it um Longest Yard and Gem are kind of at the bottom I'm not, I'm not as big a fan of those. I don't know. I just think Happy Gilmore and Waterboy were better. It's really hard to fit un, uncut gems into it because it's objectively just a better film mm-hmm. than all and of them. Yeah, and it's and it's a crime movie more and, as and much as it what is you were saying about the anxiety. Um, I didn't see Good Times. Uh, I plan to watch it soon, but this was like my first introduction to the Safdie brothers and uh, very unique style of making it. And yeah, they definitely make you feel a mood the whole way through. Yeah, and when you see a good time, you're going to feel those similarities. It is very right. much this and, and Uncut Gems. Have, they're very much cut from the same cloth. Um, I think Waterboy and Happy Gilmore, I would still say, are my two favorite. Might be my two favorite Sandler movies if you throw in. Well, I don't know. That, that's Billy a whole. That, yeah, that's a whole different debate. Yeah, because there's Billy Madison. I'm also pretty partial to uh, Big Daddy. Um, Longest Yard's a clear fourth of the sports movies, and I, I love Young, Longest Yard. It gets a lot of TV replay, but Uncut Gems was Uncut Gems was an experience. I think like seeing this is a like you're wired when this movie ends. Underrated Sandler movie, 
different feel. I feel like it was his first um, venture into like a little more serious was Funny People. Yeah, uh, I love the movie. first hour of Funny People. Or like it the dragged. first hour, hour and a half. It definitely like whoever edited it left 30 minutes too much into it. It didn't yeah. need to be like two hours, 45 minutes. But. Yeah, but the first the first half of Funny People is really good. Um, let's roll into the IMDb trivia. Um, I think in this episode, there's going to be a lot of praise on Adam Sandler's performance. And praise of the highest from the IMDb trivia, Daniel Day-Lewis praised Adam Sandler's performance in this film. Sandler said that is one of the highlights of his career. I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis is objectively our greatest living actor. So I, I think that's that's about as high praise as you can get. I'm still weirded out he didn't get a nomination for this. I mean, it kind of speaks to how the Oscars doesn't necessarily mesh with how most people think. Like, there's a level of academia to it, which is a little kind of boring. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised he didn't. If win. he would have gotten nominated and not, and not, I wouldn't have thought he was going to win. I mean, people were just like that dialed into Joaquin Phoenix. Right. And I will admit, I didn't see pain and glory which antonio banderas is nominated for and i haven't seen the two popes but i joker once upon a time and marriage story um i mean i like i thought adam driver's incredible in marriage story i thought leo was incredible in once upon a time in hollywood i thought sandler sandler had to do more work than either of those guys um and i and i love him leo leo cracked me up in once oh, upon the, a time hollywood the scene the uh the the whiskey scene. sours <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and yeah, I, I have a hard time. I mean, I liked all three performances just to be clear. I just don't feel like they were like on a level above what Sandler did in Uncut Gems. Yeah. I mean, Sandler, and again, I'm, I'm going to try to stop mentioning good time, but it was very much like Robert's Robert Pattinson and good time. Like these guys, basically the Safties put a movie on their shoulders, surrounded them with a lot of excellence, but said, Hey, if this is going to work, you have to carry it. And Sandler just did that in spades. Um, but speaking of the Safties, did, they are diehard. Nom- right, sorry, to, sorry to ask you. Did they get nominated as uh, for directors or production or anything? I do not believe so. I, I think Uncut, if I remember correctly, Uncut Gems was uh, completely shut out, which is very disappointing. Hmm, whatever. Who cares? Yeah, <laughs> I know. You hate, hate, absolutely hate to see it. Um, but the Safties are diehard New York Knicks fans and originally had Amari Stoudemire in mind as the original choice for the film's basketball protagonist. Stoudemire was a member of the Knicks from 2010 to 2015. Uh, this week's question from the Big Screen Sports Facebook group is from Corey Cohen. He asked, how would this movie have been different with Amari or Joel Embiid, who they also considered if it was going to take place in present times? As an, as an NBA guy, especially with Amari, Ooh, I have thoughts what on do you this. think? Yeah, okay. go for it. Um, they could have done some cool tie-ins with Amari, who's now found his Jewish roots, because there's always the underbelly of a, uh, you know, Adam Sandler and like the whole Passover scene and or the whole Seder scene and everything. So that could have been fun. There was definitely uh, an appreciation for Jewish culture in this movie. Yes, Even, starting with the the double entendre name of Uncut Gems. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> I didn't even consider that till you mentioned it. But uh, what I was gonna say is. Um, it would have worked best if it was a Knicks player, but Amari, while he's interesting and he's kind of got similar kind of goofy charisma to KG, I just don't think either of them touch KG in terms of, I don't think KG was acting at all. I just think that's who he is. And it kind of plays perfectly for the uh, the type of role they're casting, the type of NBA player they wanted, someone who's a little eccentric, little out there, but also genuine and very likable at the same time. I, it's very hard to think of a player who's more perfect for this than KG. You can believe that intensity of KG being wrapped around this this gem, that opal. Yeah. That it's very much believable. The Amari thing, I think there could have you could have thrown out a lot of a lot of jokes about because his, his Knicks tenure was just basically marred by injury. Did they amnesty his contract? I can't remember if they did or if it was like they should have. They should have. Um, he actually had a decent two year run, but it's like all Knicks things where like they made the playoffs and they had like this one season of semi-relevance and then the reality that everyone saw coming which was his knees were shot 
came in, came into effect and that was just like a slow period of sadness where he's just sitting on you know he's playing 10 games a year because his body doesn't allow him to play anymore yeah so there could have been some references to that the other nba thing from the imdb trivia uh, former Celtics coach Doc Rivers recorded a voiceover for the film that was actually Doc in the locker room scene. His halftime speech revolving around a Roach's line was based on a real speech he gave his current team, the LA Clippers, during a playoff game against the Golden State Warriors. And then my last, the last bit of IMDb trivia I pulled, one of my sneaky favorite parts of the movie, um, just favorite little moments. Howard tells his son that his neighbor acted in good times and coming to America when they knock on the door of the neighbor is answered by John Amos, who is indeed the father on Good Times and the father of Eddie Murphy's love interest in Coming to America, McDowell's. It was amazing. Amazing little cameo. Yeah, that was great. I, I always enjoy when movies do that, little, little callbacks to previous previous movies. Um, I didn't see it coming in any way. Oh, me either. I, I was shot when he when he mentioned it, I thought it was just like this throwaway line, and then it's actually right. John Amos who answers the door. And and he has like one line. I think he just tells him no and then he shuts the door. Um it was a pretty, <laughs> pretty interesting kind of kind of throwaway little fun cameo there. Um let's roll into best scene. I do these chronologically. If I miss one of your favorites, by all means, uh, jump in. But starting like right away, just the opening um, when it, you start out in that Ethiopian mine and then you get and then it rolls into uh, Adam Sandler's colon. And then it's just this this con you you get the the intro to that that haunting techno theme and kind of what the sound is going to be like in this movie. You can already tell he's a bit of a spaz. He gets shaken down by Arno's guys. It is a very very much a a quick intro to what this movie, what the vibe of this movie is going to be. yeah definitely and it um that that whole scene caught me off guard because i'd seen enough trailers i had like a baseline understanding of what the movie was about i didn't know how it end i didn't know any of the major plot well i knew like the major plot point was he was a gambler and it was about a gem um I did not expect it to open there, though. No, especially not in the Ethiopian mine or not in the colon. Um, and the colon thing ends up being kind of a throwaway because he doesn't have... It, he gets that call from the doctor like letting him know he's all clear, but it's just more of like, this is how they're going to open it. Really, really funny. Um, the next one I have is KG's visit to the store. It, it kind of blends into the opening, but Sandler's just like going for it when KG arrives. You get the Ethiopia story when he pulls out the old iPhone, talks about watching the History Channel to learn some shit, and you you get that intensity from KG. You get the you get the first Lakeith Stanfield in, uh, appearance, who I am I am huge on that guy, and it's just like it, right away you're just like oh this is Sandler's movie though. Like he is just he's on one the whole movie, but you can already tell like he's throwing a hundred. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love that scene because of how authentic and accurate it is. Um, I've never been in a jewel shop shopping for something that expensive, uh, but we've all been in jewelers and kind of the the hustler vibe trying to sell you on stuff that Adam pulls off. Obviously, it's like to the hundredth degree of anything I've ever experienced, but that's objectively accurate. Uh, my one experience in... Um, the Diamond District in New York was similar on a much smaller scale to that. Um, and then just the, the KG aspect of it was also authentic and accurate. Like I said, KG basically played himself the whole way through. I don't think there was any acting involved. And just like kind of friends around it, you know, he gets introduced through someone he knows to go to this shop. That's often how it works for famous athletes because you know, KG seven feet tall. He can't just walk down the street into a store the way you or I can. He can't window uh, shop. No, he's not. He's not like walking through Union Square in New York. Like, ooh, that looks nice. 
So, um, so all of that, I mean, it's, and, and then you throw in the way that they use music and mood and everything. It just, it totally set the scene for the movie for me. Yeah. And you mentioned like the authenticity of it, the, the Safties I think their dad worked in the diamond district. And so they, they pull such, they pull such a layer of authenticity and, and realism around it. But it's also like you said, like you've never met, no one's ever met people like this. Like most of the viewers have never met this kind of cast of characters, but the Safties managed to make it feel like this very authentic experience. Um, the next scene I have is when Arno and co grab Howard from the play. Cause up until then, like Howard just seems like he's living, you know, pretty fast on the edge. And then you suddenly realize he's, he's super fucked. Like he's in yeah. some deep shit. That was, um, I was surprised that was early in the movie. Uh, I would have thought a scene like that where he's getting, uh, you know, kind of roughed up by, uh, a loan shark, I guess. Is that what we call what we would call him? I believe so. Yeah. I believe yeah. Arno is a high level loan shark. Uh, you know, it really throws you into the mix and you see like, you, you, you know, you're thrown in the middle of a story where this guy's like really deep into it, like you said. Um, and then later on when you find out he's family friends with him, it just adds another layer to it. Like oh, at that yeah, point, they have I had family gathering or whatever and Arno's just right there. <laughs> that, that was uh, one of the more uncomfortable scenes of the movie. Yeah, Arno, who I think most people now would recognize, at least I did, as Gil from Succession. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I have him so uh, in my head as Gil from Succession. He's supposed to be what, like a Bernie Sanders type of Yeah, he's basically Bernie Sanders, and in Uncut Gems, he's just a loan shark. Right, and he pulled (laughs) both off. He does. He's great. Um, The next one I have is The the Weekend Show, which is, it's it's really interesting. It was The Weekend's film debut. Um, Howard's just starting to kind of rip at the seams and the, just the way it was shot, like how Demony's like neon sweater is standing out. Adam Sandler fighting the weekend over a mistress. It's like bad celeb Mad Libs. Uh, I, I've really enjoyed that scene and it was, Sandler has one of my favorite quotes when he's like, he's like, what the fuck is the weekend? It just, (laughs) (laughs) very, very enjoyable. It's just, it's kind of funny that they pulled that off. Um, yeah, that actually, I may go back on this, but that might be my favorite scene of the movie. Um, because that's like literally when he, he, that's him hitting rock bottom in many ways. That's him falling apart. It's a confluence of a bunch of things. And you also throw into the fact that like, he's going to a club, you look in the club, everyone there's in their twenties as is the case with clubs like that right <laughs> and he's clearly Including his a, mistress yeah and he's clearly a what 40 50 year old man right yeah i think they said he was 50 that would make sense with the colon um check or whatever but the point is he's way too old to be there it kind of alludes to the fact he's he's probably too old to be living the lifestyle he does in general um, like you would hope you've kind of evolved to some more stability in your life, but you know, that's not who he is. And just the whole thing breaking apart. The weekend's cameo was hilarious. Um, personally, I'm just, I'm also a huge fan of his music, so that doesn't hurt, uh, for me. It's also funny to think about, he was wearing a wig of his old hair because he has, he, I didn't, he has I didn't the know old that. mop, I believe. I didn't know that. I just, I thought they shot it before he cut his hair. Uh, but that would make sense because he's had his hair cut for quite a while. Yeah, it's been a couple years, I think at least. It's just I, I my guess would be I didn't I didn't pull the I didn't pull tape on that one. My guess is is he was wearing a wig of what his hair used to look like, which is just kind of funny to me. Um, the next scene I've got is Howard working the phones, and then that goes into KG's visit when KG finally brings back the opal. But he's like, he's on the phone. He's trying to get a hold of KG. He's arguing with Julia. He's doing a bunch of different things at once. It's like the Moneyball trade scene, but like on cocaine. And then the negotiation through the door where they can't get KG in there. And it's just, it. the thing, the way the Safties do dialogue is so authentic. It's like how life actually works. It's not just these monologue conversations where it's one person talking, doing a long thing, and then another person. When Sandler's talking in this movie, there's always, almost always something going on in the background. It creates a lot of anxiety, but it also creates a lot of authenticity. And, and they paint the mood of New York 
better than most any movie. We've all been to New York City and um, just the speed, how loud people are. You know, like there's there's constant, like you said, constant dialogue. It's it's so fast paced. It's just so and, busy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like me driving two hours outside of the city into a country town. It's the complete opposite. So Yeah, and that, that's captured very well in that scene. And like as soon as KG leaves, Howard just lights into Demony, lights into Lakeith Stanfield. Um, the next scene I have is the auction. I just had a pit in my stomach for the entire scene. I, it was the first time I thought about not looking at the screen. Yeah, and it's um, isn't that the isn't that what makes the movie good? Because like in a lot of ways, Howard Adam Sandler's character is just kind of a scumbag, right? Complete scumbag. <laughs> he's he's and yet you're rooting for him at the same time and it's like it's the total anti-hero where you're like i really should not be rooting for this guy but like yeah as the auction's going on you're seeing that he could be completely screwed right yeah well it's like he gets there's so many times in this movie where he it gets so close to like he's out of whatever hole he's in. Like when he, when he feel like he's turning a corner to exactly like when he rolls into that auction, like before he finds out about the new valuation or the new estimate, like you think like, okay, he's finally made it. He got the opal there. Like this is how he's going to, you know, escape from this, even though, you know, in the back of your mind, that's not going to happen. You, you then, you know, then he finds out about the low valuation and then you have that just achingly anxious scene of the, you're just hoping that KG can will, will end up buying it for you know what he whatever he wanted like two fifty or something, what what Sandler needed. It's just it's wild. Um, that rolls into KG showing up at the store buying the opal, and then Howard going full Leroy Jenkins running straight into hell with that bet. And I think that is the scene that that Sandler like that one. And then the, the final Celtics game are the scenes that should have gotten Sandler, the Oscar nomination. Yeah. Um, that was, yeah, that was, that's also one of my favorite scenes in it. And I didn't really know what he was doing fully because it's never just a bet. There's like three layers to his bet. You know, he's like pawning something off and then, um, taking the money and doubling down in a different direction. And, we should actually talk about, um, obviously, there's the, the closing scene where he's watching the game in the shop, but there's like four separate scenes where he's betting, where he's placed a big bet, and you're watching him watch the game. And just yeah, there's, the the ha- there's the one at the house. There's the one at the house. The house. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. And it's like, uh, by the way, dealing with like his wife who he wants nothing to do with him. He's like, I have to watch this game now. <laughs> And um, I think everyone can relate to that, but hopefully not with, you know, 50K on the line. Yeah, not <laughs> not with your wife who's literally just ready to walk out on your ass. Yeah, <laughs> or with your whole savings on that game either, hopefully. Hopefully none of your listeners experience yeah, well, that. Well, that, that rolls into the, the final scene. It's just like that final Celtics game, and that's a that's a rotating scene that's going from you get – Howard with Arno and his guys trapped in the store and it, like Howard's life is literally hanging in the balance even more than than we realized it I guess either way he was he was screwed um you've also got Julia in the casino are we giving are we giving spoilers on this oh yeah yeah we're okay. going we're going spoiler, we're, we're assuming yeah. everyone's watched it if, if you have listening. not if you have not seen uncut gems this by, is the point to pause <laughs> yeah turn yeah turn it off but um I mean that scene and then the end of it, just the the shocking. And I I I didn't see Howard getting out of this. I don't the the safties don't roll like that. But I did. I was very surprised at the, at the end of that scene. So I um had no experience with safty movies. So um I had nothing to fall back on to assume how they would end it. I thought he was going to get out of it. Uh, so I was completely shocked. I thought. Um, I, I certainly didn't think he was gonna get shot. And then, um, and then Arno too, you know, that whole thing, um, just completely blew my mind. I mean, I guess in retrospect, I should have seen it coming and that's usually how it works. Right. But I kind of thought like when he had the big winning, he'd get the second to explain to them 
you know, like I have it plus interest and everything or something to that extent, right? Yeah, I still just, I I didn't know how he wasn't going to get out of it. I just thought Howard lives his life so close to the edge. Like even if this movie had ended with Howard free and clear from Arno, he's getting himself in some more shit within a year. Right, and the more I think about it, like it would have been corny to end with him getting away and like having all this money and being rich now. Like it would I will say when the high roller left the casino, walked out of the casino with the money, my first thought was, Oh, he killed Julia and left her in that room and took and, and robbed her. I didn't even think about that. That was um, my first instinct. Cause I, I just thought everything was going bad, but now Julia just in that limo with a ton of money that she technically owns. Yeah, she's kind of an interesting character in this whole thing, too. We, we haven't really talked about her character at all because uh, th- there's clearly a romance between the two of them. Um, and it seems genuine. It, it really, really does. It's it's You would have thought after the whole thing with The weekend that that would have been the last we saw of her, and it really wasn't it. Like, she really had something for Howard and that something is probably daddy issues, but it's, there was something there. <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, and, and that's, you know, she was great in the movie, by the way. Um, Oh, excellent. Played... And it was her debut. Yeah. I was going to say, I'd never really heard of her before this. So <laughs> she was just a socialite that the Safties approached about the role. The Safties did a lot. Really? Yeah. We'll get the, the Safties did, they surrounded them with like real jewelers, real pawn shop owners, real athletes, real musicians. And then like even the guy who's hanging out with her uh, watching the Celtics game when she first gets to the casino is just a guy they met shooting craps the night before. Um, the guy who ends up killing Howard and Arno, that was his his first role. It was just a guy they had met. And same thing with Julia. They approached her about the role. They just filled it with legitimate, authentic people. And I don't think there's anyone in this movie here like, oh, they're doing a bad job. Yeah, no, absolutely. I didn't. Now I'm trying to think if there's anyone in this where you're just like they weren't believable as their character, and I can't, I can't come up with anyone. They were all, at worst, highly believable in their roles. I agree. I agree, and it's the same thing with the Good Time. Like they just have an incredible touch. If you had to pick what what the best scene in this movie or what your favorite scene in this movie, what are you going with? Um, it's. Either the weekend scene, um, like I said, it felt like the culmination of everything falling apart for Howard. Um, and you know, just everything in it, there it was, it was entertaining. I laughed, like evoked emotion, it was powerful, all those things. And probably the first uh Celtics game he bet on where he thought he won big, but the bet never got placed. Just watching through his eyes to see like how deep and degenerate he is. Um, because it's one thing to see it. Like, you know, he's a fast talking jeweler. You see him kind of kind of going around and playing all these different schemes, but to just see how intensely committed how, how much of a gambling addict he is is basically the best way to put it. Like it I, I didn't I, I didn't question you know, whether it was real, like that was a scene where was like, Oh no, this guy's like addicted on a real deep level. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, he is, he's all the way in. There's no, there's no stop. That's where you know that even if he wins big, when he wins big, uh, it's never going to stop for him. He's Howard's pretty fucked. Um, I think mine is the, the, the bet honestly like the um when kg buys the opal and then howard goes like goes crazy and makes that bet i shouldn't like that one because it's like the oh my god what are you doing dude but it's uh they're just an incredible incredible piece of filmmaking for me um let's take a quick ad break and then get back with best quote Big Screen Sports is presented by BetOnline.ag. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, BetOnline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. 
You know what you didn't hear in this ad? MLB, because MLB has lost its mind. I don't know when we're going to be able to bet on it, but you can pretty much bet on everything else right now, so that's great. Uh, looking for something other than sports? Bet Online has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag, use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. Bet Online, your online wagering experts. All right, we're back. Um, best quote for this one, I I didn't really, like, with apologies to every single Sandler quip and shouting wisecrack, it could have been a million things. I really had two things of note. Like, one is the, this is me, this is how I win. It's the, the meme from this movie. It is the essence right. <laughs> of the Sandler character. Come on, KG, this is no different than that. This is me. All right, I'm not a fucking athlete. This is my fucking way. This is how I win. Um, yeah, the yeah, that's 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 definitely a great one. Um, the entire just Sandra, Sandler essence in the movie. It's it's just one fast talking quote for me. Exactly. And the only other thing I have that that I just felt the need to write down was Jews and colon cancer. What is that? I thought we were the chosen people. That made me <laughs> that made me laugh very hard. But I think it's pretty easy to say like this is me. This is how I win. Is the yeah. This is, is how this I the win. Go-to. The smirk. The smirk is perfect. Like uh, Sandler. We didn't even talk about this, but like um, his whole getup. Oh yeah, the like mole. Perf- even like down to the mole on his cheek. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> the mole, the goatee, the glasses. The glasses got me every time. Um, the chains, the chains, just just peak scumbag, like hustler, like <laughs> silk shirts. Yeah, you're like, I, I mean, you go into his jewelry shop and you just know he's trying to pull one over on you. Like whatever he's saying, it's worth. You know, it's not really worth that. He's just trying to like get you to pay you know, 10 K more than it's worth or what, whatever it may be. Like he, he, his just appearance made the whole character come to life. He just, he embodied it so perfectly. And I I think like rolling into the most authentic and least authentic, just sports centric parts of this movie. I don't, it's not really a sports centric, but Sandler was the most authentic degenerate gambler jeweler that I could possibly imagine in my wildest dreams. Yeah. And there's also the, Remember when he goes to practice and he like steals the ball from the security guard and has a layup and stuff and he just and then he like asks him is like what's with Jews what's with Jews in basketball and he just like rattles off history of you know like you know, basketball and, and Jewish culture and stuff like that and that was just also one of my favorite things. it just ties into the authenticity because Sandler's always been kind of the embodiment of of that particular particular culture like he's been courtside at NBA games pretty much from the moment he's been famous. Like he's, it's, it's a passion of his and it's, and it is for a lot of people. And it's um, something that often gets looked over in New York. Like everyone talks about New York as the Mecca of basketball. It truly is for various reasons. Like every culture in New York feels some sort of affinity towards the sport of basketball first. And then Sandler, like you said, is just the like, and, and kind of what the Safties put into this role is the embodiment of the New York, yeah, New York and Jewish culture, loving and appreciating basketball. Um, for the least authentic sports centric part, this isn't. This is something that is authentic for the movie's sake because they used actual like footage. Game footage, yeah. But something about 2012 that wouldn't be authentic anymore is that Sixer Celtics series was just incredibly low scoring. They cut to it in the fourth quarter, and the the scores are in like the sixties or the fifties. And I was just like, "Whoa! I forgot basketball used to be like that." Yeah, I mean, those are actually two of the last teams that played that like grinded out. You know, you're gonna get every time you drive to the rim, you're gonna get murdered style of basketball. Um, both teams did it actually. the The seventy sixers were led by Andre Iguodala, but they were basically a team who struggled to score eighty points. They're, you know, they, you may not score 80 against them, but they're not getting much over 80. And then we all remember the, the big three Celtics with like KG Pierce and them, they were defense first. And the older they got, the worse their offense got and the more reliant they got on like, let's grind this out. So I thought actually the least authentic part was KG in 2012 was really not scoring the ball that much. That was like, um, at that point, he was a pure defensive anchor. 
Uh, and, you know, maybe you'd get like eight to 10 points here or there. And they really portrayed it more as like the younger KG who was like the focal point of the offense. Like when he was younger, he was the guy to get you like 25 points every game. Um, at this point in his career, it was like you were happy when he got 12 points. Sandler, I think Sandler bets on him twice, I believe. Because in the yeah. first bet, I believe he bet he bets KG like points and rebounds as well. It's all the betting is on KG. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's and from a movie point of view, that's great because it's like that's such a it, it does fit KG's essence where he's like kind of player where like if you see him in a certain mood, you're like, oh, he's good. He's going to have a big game tonight, like more so than usual. He was always going to play well, but like in those specific moods, you know, like, oh, I'm really betting on him tonight. But it wasn't necessarily authentic to the player he was in 2012 when he was 36 years old with uh, (laughs) with 80 knee surgeries. Well, let's roll into what worked and something about, like you mentioned, the bets and Sandler's doing these crazy bets on on KG. Something that worked, something that felt authentic that let you in on how deep and severe a gambler Howard was is the the first leg of that parlay that his entire life revolves around is the tip. Is Celtics winning the tip? Is Garnett winning the tip? I, I which forgot is about insanity. that. Sanity. But it's yeah, and you always know someone's a uh a big time gambler when they parlay like the most irrelevant props. You know, like the coin toss in football or something like that. That's that's literally what you're staking money on when you're betting on who wins the tip. Insanity. Just Howard is is insane. But you talk about what worked in this one. It's Howard. It's Sandler. We've, we've kind of talked about it. He carries this movie well. Um, the, the scene after the auction in the office, the whole movie, you're not exactly sure he knows how to feel shame until he finally breaks down. Come to me. I can't figure out. I can't figure out what I'm supposed to do. Everything I do is not going right. Everything I do is not going right. I don't know what to do. I really don't. I don't want any more of this shit. I really don't. I gotta figure this out. I gotta figure this out. I really do. Right. Sandler is just so good in this movie. I don't think it, there's not a single moment in this movie where you think things are gonna go right for him, but he just continues. To, to carry it. I, I pulled this off Wikipedia, but it was something that when creating the character of Howard, Josh and Benny Safdie were heavily influenced by Jewish humor and actors from the 20th century and wanting Howard to encompass Jewish stereotypes proudly and treat them as a superpower. The Jewish concept of learning through suffering would be important for the character of Howard throughout the film. And they absolutely nailed that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, it all ties to kind of our overarching point on the movie though, which is like the, the authenticity of it, like the details, like I I've yet to read, I don't read that many reviews, but I've yet to see anything that implied that they did not get the, uh, the atmosphere, the details, the culture. Correct. Yeah. I mean, they, they just nailed every single aspect they possibly could. Is there anything else that sticks out for you that we haven't touched on yet as something that worked about this movie or made this one work? Not really. I mean, it all ties back to Sandler. He was just, uh, he was, he was magnificent. And then the Safties, just the way they do mood and everything was unique. It was my first experience. I'm excited to dive into some of their other movies, even if they're not sports related. Yeah. They're just like, they're well shot. They're well scored. Uh, The score was Daniel Lopatin. He also did the score for good time. It's like this electronic, eerie bunch of synth beats it just it fits the movie's frantic nature very very well it's just another like the safties pick the right score they pick the right cast with all these these newcomers and people they found and they just surrounded they were just like we have the perfect driver for this vehicle let's surround him with a bunch of great shit um going down to kd or kg which you said it's like the perfect the perfect cat he really holds his own absolutely i mean you 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 said at the beginning they considered Amari, who would have been good, and Joel Embiid. I kind of, I don't know that Embiid's got the acting chops. Embiid is hilarious in his own way, but I, I just I can't imagine him like looking at the gem and me believing him. Like yeah, I don't think so powers. either. I think the the twenty twelve ness of it works really well. Absolutely, um, which is is interesting too, because like you don't get a lot of timepiece movies where we're really only going back like five to eight years, you know? Yeah. If, if you get a timepiece thing, it's like, they're going to take us back 30 years or 
hundred years or be something like that. This is just moving us back to something that's like nostalgic, but very much we remember it clearly. Yeah, I think to to touch on something you mentioned earlier, I think this one is actually going to age really well. I think I think it's going to be pretty smooth as far as the as far as the aging process. As far as what didn't work, I only have one thing about this movie that really stood out as what didn't work. Idina Menzel is so far out of Howard's league. I don't understand how the fuck Howard landed Idina Menzel, who is a rocket. That is his wife who wants to divorce him correct yes yes okay i'm i'm not great with every actor in this movie's like real name so i just want to so you don't talk about the same person. sam you don't I, have uh you don't have kids do you i do not yeah adina menzel sings let it go and frozen she is she is also got it uh, she's also a tony winner for wicked it, it kind of hurts to have her in a movie and just not have her let the pipes loose um she's also a wonderful actress or just actress. not in the movie very much either. yeah um, yeah at all um, I did not know that. That is, I guess, a clear dead giveaway. I don't have kids. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, what I was... if you had kids, you'd know who Adina Menzel was for sure. Exactly. Uh, um, I mean, both. Both her and is it Julia Fox? Yes. Yeah. Um, very, very out of Sandler's league. Uh, but that's also kind of uh, a trend in Sandler's movies. He he may uh, he may be willing to do anything, but he, he makes sure to cast uh, his, his love interests as, uh, being, um, you know, just not really believable. Adam Sandler's <laughs> movies are like Leo DiCaprio's real life. Yeah, exactly. He's, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, Hey, if you're the, if you're the leading actor and you have that kind of pull, um, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna force some, you know, uh, you're gonna force your hand where you can in these situations. That's the card. The card Sandler always pulls. Dina Menzel does get her moment though. The the la- when she laughs in Howard's face and then punks his oh, ass that was... with a fake punch. Every scorned wife in America deserves that moment. Yeah, and um, you know she she wasn't featured in the movie nearly enough, but um, or maybe she was, but like the role itself wasn't that huge, but we didn't need a lot to believe and get everything we needed out of that relationship. Like the first interaction between them, you can tell, okay, this is not a happy marriage. The second interaction, it, it's just outright. Like you can see it. And then when you see the, the, the Seder scene where the whole family's there and you, 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 you really understand like, no, like their lives are just too interconnected to do you know, the quote unquote separation that you assume that they both want. Yeah. You know, she's only hanging around for the kids. Exactly. And it's, it's something probably a lot of people deal with. Like, you know, it's like, it's not like you're in college where you can just break up with someone. Life's a little more complicated at that stage, you know? Exactly. Um, the Kevin Costner and Freddie Prince Jr. Awards for best and worst on-screen athlete. This also for any sports movie, it applies for like a coach or just something, Authentic. I think Sandler is a manic gambler is the obvious choice here. I think he's perfect. Absolutely. Um, rename the award one more time. The Kevin Costner and Freddie Prince Jr. Awards for best and worst on-screen athlete or on-screen coach, on-screen figure, I guess. Does Fre- does Fre- what movies Freddie Prince get that? Is it for She's All That? No, Summer Catch. He is the worst athlete of all time. <laughs> I haven't seen Summer Catch. It is. He uh, he looks. He plays a left-handed pitcher. He looks like he doesn't throw left-handed. By all accounts, Freddie Prince Jr. is an incredible human being. Um, sure. I, I'm a big Freddie Prince Jr. fan uh, in, in, you know, in those 90s. High school. By the way, Freddie Prince Jr. is a big NBA fan, and he is on NBA Twitter, and it's my favorite thing when I see him tweeting takes during games that are just like quintessential normie fan takes. I'm like, oh, Freddie Prince Jr., absolutely no different than the common man thinking that LeBron needs to post up more or <laughs> Steph Curry's turning the ball over too much. <laughs> he referenced his role in Summer Catch on Twitter the other day. I can't remember what it was. It was like, who wins this matchup? Like Ryan Dunn, which is his character, his pitcher, and someone else. And he says he said the guy would have taken him deep, like hit a home run, but he would have gone home with the guy's girlfriend. It was a very, it was a great tweet. By uh by FPJ always welcome on big screen sports that guy, 
Absolutely. Um, so but, yeah, best best performance is definitely Adam Sandler. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the Lenny Harris Pinch Hitter Award for Best Supporting Character. I have a few nominees. Um, I this is a name I can't believe we haven't said yet. Mike Francesa is Gary the Bookie. Oh yes, yes. That was a. Is that a supporting actor? Or is it just a cameo? That's it. It's pinch hit, well, pinch he, he plays. That is he, a pinch hitter. It, role. Yeah, it's just it's just basically supporting. In this movie, I feel like everyone except Sandler is a supporting character. I think he is very clearly. Yeah, there's like there's tiers the of supporting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got Lakeith Stanfield as Demony. I couldn't have any more Lakeith Stanfield stock. We actually watched Sorry to Bother You finally uh, a couple days ago, and I'm just I'm all in on him. He's great in Knives Out. He's in Atlanta. He's just fantastic he's um, i've only seen him in atlanta and he's excellent in that um but uh i gotta dive into some of those other ones because i thought he was amazing in this i'm going to nominate for pinch hitter the weekend the weekend uh, the weekend is i actually didn't even have the weekend on my list i forgot about the weekend because he adam sandler howard shouldn't be in a club like that at whatever age he is period because people exactly like the weekend are acting like scumbags in their 20s. So I thought his cameo was perfect. I thought it was hilarious. And then watching uh, Howard fight him, uh, it was it was the the comic relief I needed. And it's ironic the comic relief came also in what I would consider like maybe the biggest emotional breakdown right after. Mm-hmm. For best supporting character, I'm between three. I'm between Lakeith Stanfield. I'm between Julia Fox as Julia the Mistress, Julia De Fiori. Right. And then Keith William Richards, who plays Phil, who is Arno's shakedown guy and eventually murderer. It was his first acting role. I've, I just, that's, that's crazy really? to me. He is very intimidating. He is very good in the role, and he doesn't feel like he's overdoing it. I almost, I feel like I for sure said I liked him in other stuff. Like he had such a familiarity to me when it, I clearly had never seen him in anything else. But he, <laughs> He, he was excellent, but I, I can't believe that was his first thing because he had such a... I swear I've seen him around somewhere. Maybe it's someone who looks similar and my brain's starting to fall apart. But I mean, I could tell you that he was in um, like a bank robbing movie or something. I could tell you that he was in Den of Thieves as like an intense secure, bank security guard or something. You'd be like, oh yeah, that's the guy. That's definitely exactly. the guy. Um, I think... I, I really think... This is just a personal preference thing. I think it's Lakeith Stanfield for me. Him or KG, actually. They're both they're both good. They're both very much a presence. And I think this movie needs that. Uh, those would be my two. I kind of lean KG just because uh, he's a little more important. No, no, they're both important. But yeah, Lakeith Stanfield was an important supporting actor to painting who the character Howard is. Very much so. Yeah, you need Howard Howard needed a Demony cuz you you wouldn't see a direct link between Howard and an athlete like KG or whoever the you know any other athletes whoever he sure. was making the Furbies for. He needed a Demony. Absolutely. And um in his relationship with Howard was interesting because you could see like at multiple times like why am I still deal why am I dealing with this guy? Right. Yeah. He's not going to be sorry to not be dealing with Howard anymore after this movie. Without exactly, without a doubt. The big chill, which is usually for for a lot of sports movies, my favorite category. It's like the the Roy Hobbs knocking out the lights moment. You know, it's like your your you know remember the Titans last play moment. This movie doesn't have one for me. It's it's I mean it's not a sports movie like that. It doesn't provide a big chill moment. It provides the anxious chills at the auction, but not like the closest the you get. Chill. The closest you get is um, Howard celebrating winning a bet, which we got twice in the movie. And then both times he instantly just gets fucked. Right. But for a short period of time, you have that rush of victory. Like we've all won something, whether it be gambling or sports or something. It's like there's, there's a rush to success. It's the best. It's an incredible feeling. It's why there are so many people like Howard who are addicted to gambling. Um, would this make a good 30 for 30? Is there any, like, do you see any scenario where this, because in athletes involved, like KG's involved, do you see any scenario where this this could have been a good documentary, like sports documentary? 
You mean about how the movie was made or like the story? It, yeah, if it had happened in real life. How oh, abso- would, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I'm just picturing now a 30 for 30 of like Howard's wife slash ex-wife, Howard's mistress, uh, Demony, all these people like talking about him and like shots to what happened. And oh, it'd be an amazing story. Yeah, be, and think it, about ESPN different. promoing like the you know the day the day of Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. Kevin Garnett was in this jeweler's this this jeweler where like a double murder took place hours later. Here's here's the story. Um, absolutely, I, I, mean, I would tune in. I would absolutely tune in. Not even a question. Sam, how would you improve this one? Because I don't have anything. Uh, I'm kind of with you, I guess. Yeah, there, I I have nothing either. I'm actually very happy with the way it was made. I mean, if you make it less anxious, it's just not the same movie. No, and I don't think there's anything you can cut out either. The movie flows really nicely. It is right. very it is very well paced. There's not there's not a it's lull. Not and sometimes long, a lull is a good short. thing. Yeah, sometimes a lull is a good thing. Or like slowing down, like they they do in good time. There's a couple slower scenes where you can almost catch your breath. Um, this one just goes and goes and goes, and it's it's great. Absolutely. Last category before more restore. Would you rather see a prequel, sequel, or a remake? I think a remake we can just kind of throw out. This movie was made. I don't want. I don't want a remake. Um, I need like thirty years. Maybe maybe some new technology, and the movie looks like old and dated. Then we can talk remake. But um, obviously the prequel. I need to know more about Howard. I need to see how he became this degenerate. Um, I want the the childhood Howard story, how he evolved into really just kind of a low life, you know, drain on society type of jeweler kind of guy. Um, obviously sequel. Uh, I don't really know what you do there. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that one's, that one's tough. I would also prequel. I would love to see Howard go to Ethiopia, like that whole thing of the, the process to get that opal there, I would be very curious. Like, imagine Howard in Ethiopia near that right. mine. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm more interested on. Um, I really want to see how Howard got to where he got to. How Just more Diamond in, District content. Yeah, more di- how he slowly devolved into a guy with this terrible gambling addiction in i don't want to say a dead end but like a dead end situation of life you know he's an unhappy marriage uh his shop is just kind of floating by that sort of thing i need to know how he landed adina menzel that'd be a a how-to for for men everywhere of how scumbag like howard uh makes that happen but this movie is great i recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it if you're if you haven't seen it and you're listening to this right now i don't know what you're really doing um, also, go check out Good Time, which is also streaming on Netflix by the Safties. I believe they are remaking their their next project is remaking Forty Eight Hours, which I'm all in on. Sam, thanks so much for joining me on this one. Tell the folks again where they can follow you. Um, they can follow me on Twitter at samusfandiari. Uh, I link my podcast and everything there, so anytime we post anything, you can find it on my Twitter feed. Otherwise, subscribe to Lightyear's podcast, Apple, Spotify over whatever podcast player you use it's all on there and if you enjoyed this episode of big screen sports please remember subscribe wherever you get your podcast all the lovely outlets that sam just mentioned uh rate and review if you do get the chance if you're a baseball fan check out my interview series from phenom to the farm that is presented by baseball america every other tuesday and until then we'll catch you next monday thanks this is brandon kelly the host of blue wire's new podcast golden goal he takes everybody on From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. 
soccer stars, and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.